Welcome to the Brand the Interpreter podcast. I am your host, Mireya Perez, and this platform is dedicated to sharing the stories of language professionals, that is, the interpreters and translators from around the world. This show aims to highlight not just the profession, but mainly the people behind the amazing work. These are your stories about our profession, and this is the Brand the Interpreter podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Orange County Department of Education. Since 2017, the Orange County Department of Education in California and their Language Services Unit is spearheading the professionalization of interpreters and translators working in educational settings and providing professional learning opportunities to bilingual staff by hosting their annual Interpreters and Translators Conference. With the participation of over 100 school districts from 25 states, 40 county offices of education, and 11 countries in the past four years, it is one of the most renowned events in the educational field. The Orange County Department of Education would like to invite you to their fifth annual conference on the road to professionalization, taking place September 8th through October 2nd, 2021, in a four-week professional learning series. For more information on this event, please visit www.ocde.us. Welcome back, seasoned language professionals and new generation language professionals. I am so glad you decided to join me today in this episode where we're going to dive right on in and talk about passion, commitment, and grit with none other than Yasmin Lope. But first, a real quick story about Yasmin. A few years ago, I was presenting for a large audience event. I mean, it seemed like a large audience to me. I hadn't presented to that group of people in very many years. And so I was super nervous. Um, for those of you that have been following the podcast for some time, you might have heard me talk about this uh, in earlier episodes. And so I'm doing the presentation and I'm speaking about, you know, the topic and I see from my left peripheral a couple of, you know, ladies that are sitting there nodding and saying yes or, you know, just really engaging with the conversation that I'm having. And I have to tell you that it made me feel at ease knowing that I had a couple of cheerleaders in the front row just cheering me on with my message. It makes a difference when we engage with other people's content. It sure made a difference for me and uh, making me feel that, you know, I was connecting, that my message was connecting with others. And yeah, that's the type of person that you're about to meet right now. Yasmin considers herself a cheerleader, always there to energize and empower her team to deliver outstanding results. She promotes empathy, dignity, and fairness in the workplace to help guide her team through any challenges that occur and ensure they feel valued as team members. She truly puts the cheer in leader. Yasmin is a certified Spanish interpreter registered with the Certification Commission for Healthcare Interpreters and the National Board of Certification for Medical Interpreters. She also holds a court interpretation and translation certificate from UCLA Extension, earned with distinction, and a Bachelor of Business Administration degree in finance from Argosi University, making her uniquely well-placed to understand both linguistics and clients. After a decade in the corporate finance industry, Yasmin took a leap of faith from a prosperous executive position to forge a career with more meaning, purpose, and focus on people. She prides herself on forging authentic relationships with her clients, peers, and colleagues, and is on a mission to build an esteemed go-to brand that her valued clients can always trust. So, without further ado, here's Yasmin Lope. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm so excited to get started with you and have this conversation for today's episode. How are you? Hi, Mireya. Well, first of all, I have to tell you, thank you. I'm excited as well. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's dive right on in. As you may know, I do like to delve a bit into your childhood and just some of those childhood experiences and fun childhood memories. And 
specifically, I'm interested in knowing what you aspired to be when you grew up. Wow, absolutely, Mireya. And I, I like this approach because I have to say, when I think about my childhood, it has definitely shaped my character. And based on my experiences in my childhood, I, I can say that I'm the person that I am now. When I was a little kid, pretty much what I wanted to be, I wanted my freedom. I did not enjoy being told what to do. And I wish I could tell you that I had the happiest childhood ever. But at that time, my parents had me when they were very young. Mm. And I really felt that I was the mature one in the relationship. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I remember just saying to myself, I want to be an adult. I want to be an adult. But I also realized, Mireya, that financial stability was very important in a mm. family in as you go on in your life right mm -hmm. so I wanted to work right away that's what I wanted to do I didn't know exactly what or or how or what but I wanted to be independent mm. and you knew you wanted to make some money absolutely yes <laughs> that's what I wanted <laughs> love it now tell us a little bit about where you grew up Yasmin Well, I grew up in Mexico. So usually when I tell people I'm from Merida, Yucatan, people are like, uh-huh, where? I'm like, it's five hours away from Cancun, Chichen Itza. They're like, oh, the pyramids. And who doesn't know Cancun, right? Everybody loves Cancun. So they're like, yes, the Y city, Merida. So I'm originally from there, a very small city from Mexico uh, in the peninsula of Yucatan. Hmm. What is one of your fondest memories that you recall from there? Oh, well, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to go to Cancun or be in that area, but I remember always thinking that it was really hot. It was very <laughs> hot. But what I like about that time is, even though it was, you know, hot and um I like the fact that as a kid, I was able to go out and play with my friends, mm -hmm. something that I don't see that here in the United States. And I'm thankful that I got that experience because mm -hmm. even when I was a little kid, can you believe that I would go out and just figure out a way on how to have my own little business? Like I will sell avocados to my neighbors. I would go out on knocking on other people's doors and get my little friends and convince them to come with me. And you know what, what can we sell today? What kind of fruit can we collect from the streets and try to make something out of it? So that was really fun at that time. That's so interesting. So you had the entrepreneurial spirit since a young age. You know what, now that I reflect and retrospect, I would say yes. Obviously, when I was a little kid, I didn't know that that's what it was. But yes, I can right. definitely see that. I, I just always love these stories because it's true. We don't make the connection perhaps uh, at any point until kind of someone mentions it. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was a little entrepreneur at a young age. I didn't see that then, but I see it now. So I love that little story. Now, you mentioned that you were... Um, So you were, you're from Mexico, you're born in Mexico. At what point did you come to the States? How did that work? Yeah, so I ended up coming to the United States when I was 15 years old. And I, I had already started, obviously, secondary in Mexico, right, mm -hmm. my, my high school. And when I came to the United States, I was living in San Diego. I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with downtown San Diego because can you imagine for me coming from this small little town, I end up in downtown San Diego, which now you compare that to LA or New York, obviously San Diego is pretty small, but for me, it was just fabulous. But I couldn't connect with the culture. High school was very difficult for me, especially because different culture. I didn't know the language. Mm -hmm. I was taking ELCL classes and that was very challenging at that time. So 
I kept going back and forth between Mexico and the United States and not being happy because of school and not being able to connect with friends and then missing my friends from school. It was definitely shocking, I have to say. Yeah. And at the age of 15, when you are obviously still seeking who you are. And I imagine, you know, you've made these connections already back at home and you grew up with perhaps, you know, the same people or the same group of people and suddenly be taken from, from what you know to something completely different, exciting. Yes, because it's something new, like you said, and it was beautiful and you liked it. But that sense of connection was still missing for you, right? And I and I also imagine not knowing the language either. So you you weren't taking any sort of uh, second language or English as a second language out in, in in Mexico. You came here completely not knowing the language. Well, Mireya, you summarize that so well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's how it was for me. And in Mexico right? We go to school with the same people all the way from kindergarten to, you know, to high school or even university, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not the same environment here in the United States. And then on top of it, you add our culture. Mm -hmm. We, you know, Hispanics, we are very warm. And I used to, when I used to be back home, my friends were always at my house or I was always visiting Mis primas, mis tíos. This is the interpreter speaking. Primas means female cousins, tíos means uncles. And I had that whole sense of community. When I came to the United States when I was 15, I lost that. And then on top of it, yes, I didn't know English. And I was very shy. Um, but I didn't also feel comfortable in the ELCL classes. And it was very shocking for me to see the difference of cultures. And I'll explain to you why. So like for us growing up in Mexico, going to school, we respected our our teachers, our professors very much. They were part of the family, right? Like what your teachers told you to do, you did. Mm -hmm. You did not talk back to them. You did not yell at them and you did your homework. When I came to the United States and I was going to high school in Escondido, and I remember, um, I mean, this is, um, you know, 20 years ago, right? Um, And I I don't, I think at that time, the ELCL classes were not as inclusive or as developed as structured as they are now. But the students in my classroom, they were so rude to the professors And the teachers, you know, the teachers, they just, they wouldn't know how to interact with the students or they felt intimidated by it. But to me, that was very shocking. It was so shocking that I probably did about six months a year at the most. And I went and spoke with the the school counselor and I said, I know that I barely speak English, but I think that I'm going to do so much better if you just put me in all English classes because I couldn't take that anymore. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that takes courage. Good for you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Especially I, at that age, right? Because I, like I said, I mean, you're at that point, you're, you're a teenager and it's, it's reputation and, you know, the, the, your image and all that is so important to us at that age, particularly as females, you know, where are we fitting in? What do I look like? Is this going to look okay? You know? So for you to say, just forget it, just throw me in there and, and I'll figure it out basically is what you're saying. Right. That Uh, that takes courage. Right. Yeah. No, you know what? Yeah. That's, that's a very good point. But now that I that I think back and that we're looking into this um, experience that I had, I did it primarily because I remember that I wanted to learn the language and the students in my class will call me, ah, you're a wannabe, you're a wannabe. Why do you want to speak English? And I was just like, what do you mean? Why? Isn't that what we come here for? Right. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the reason because I didn't feel supported by my 
by my school peers. Wow. No, what an experience. I mean, I cannot even begin to imagine, but, you know, culture shock when they, when this word is dropped or mentioned, I mean, Mm -hmm. for those that have not had the experience, don't really understand what exactly uh, perhaps that means what is culture shock and culture shock could, could be something as exactly what you explained, you know, you come in yeah. and in uh, certain uh, parts of the world, the authority figure is um, a part of our society, a part of our culture in a, in a way. So when you come into something that doesn't offer that same thing, absolutely. You're like, so what am I supposed to do here? You know, when I've grown up, all this time thinking and knowing this way. And now all of a sudden it's like basically the complete opposite. So, wow. Yeah. Kudos to you, uh, Yasmin, for, for having that courage to speak up for yourself and uh, saying, let me just dive right on in and see, and see how it goes. Absolutely. Yes. I, that's what I needed to do. I knew that in order to get ahead, at least to be able to finish Cool. I needed to learn the language. And, you know, Yasmin, you, I mean, at the age of 15, that is already, you know, you're already at the, basically the starting point of high school, you dive into a full immersion, English immersion classes and walk us through now when, what happened after that? What, how did you get inspired if, I'm sure your story perhaps had something to do with it, but how did you end up getting inspired uh, becoming a language professional? Well, you know, yeah, that's really interesting. I, um, because I'm not usually for the most part, people who say like, hey, you know, I decided to become an interpreter because it just happened or because it was something that um, it was, it was offered to me. Right. So in my, in, in my case, after I graduated from high school and not being able to adapt here in the United States, I was going back and forth between the United States. And then I finally told myself in my late 20s, OK, I, I really need to settle in. OK, and I need to choose a country, whether it's going to be United States or whether it's going to be Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, thankfully, I chose the United States because of mainly the opportunities that you get here because one of the things that I have to say that I love about this country is that it doesn't matter who you are, but as long as you have the passion, the grid, the commitment, you will get ahead. Mm-hmm. And pretty much that is my story. I I started with zero, like nothing, but just simply wanting to get ahead and wanting to do things right. So with that in mind, I fell in love with the corporate environment. Obviously, you know, in my mid-20s, I didn't know really what corporate America was, but an opportunity presented to me to get into banking. Banking. So I started to work for Bank of America, and I that's where my professional career developed. I was there for about 12 years, and I held multiple um roles, managing and executive roles and managing a region, a division and several banking centers. And so it it was a phenomenal experience, right? Until I got to a point where I started to feel I wasn't motivated anymore. Okay. Mm. I, I didn't, I was happy. Okay. That finally I have achieved professionally what everybody says you should achieve when you put in the time, the work, and you make the effort. But I didn't feel happy, okay? And then on top of it, I started feeling like an imposter. Why? Because I couldn't tell the people around me. Everybody would say, oh, Jasmine, this is great. Look at what you have achieved. You have this beautiful office here in downtown San Diego. You get to travel all over the United States. You work with other people from other banks. You teach them how to uh, gain more sales, how to be successful in their environments, how to build relationships with the business owners in their area and all that stuff. But Mireya, I didn't, I I wasn't in love with my career. Now, at that time, we didn't have Simon Sinek, 
We didn't really know what to call the passion and love, right? Mm -hmm. This is you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I started to feel very depressed mm -hmm. because I couldn't understand what was happening to me. I, I would be like, wait a minute, what's going on? Why is it that I have finally achieved the financial stability that I was looking for since I was a little girl, right? Completely independent. Um, I have, again, this phenomenal position within the bank, but yet I am not happy. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that time, I was probably in my mid 30s, I was about 35. And I listened to an interview in NPR, where one of the uh, one of the experts was saying that if by the age of 40, you're not in the field that you want to be in your career, most likely it will it would be very hard for for you to establish yourself and to achieve a certain level of happiness and fulfillment so that really resonated with me and i became even more obsessed trying to figure out okay what do i want do i want to continue working in the banking industry and taking more leadership roles and more leadership roles that really i don't believe in it that i don't I mean, I'm just pretty much repeating what I'm being told to repeat. And that's when I decided to completely change my life, right? So like, you know, going back to my whole um, experience about not being happy and, and wanting to find something that would inspire me, motivate me and would make me get out of bed and, and feel that sense of um, accomplishment, what I knew and what I started to do was doing some research, right? And I learned about that's, you know, I think I, I was listening to one of those uh, tapes on how to find happiness in, in a profession. And that's when I started hearing about do what you love. And if you specialize in something that you like, eventually you will be successful at that. And that's when I started taking a different approach for for the profession and it wasn't just about the money anymore because see at my age and with everything that I had already accomplished in in the banking in in the banking field and with the banking industry I realized really it's not about how much money you're going to be making of course you want to have that financial stability but at the same time you want to feel inside that you're being challenged that you're learning so knowing that i was bilingual i knew that i wanted to do something in my field i wanted to work with people that spoke the language and I don't know how it works with, you know, with the world or if you want to call it the universe or our guy or God. But little by little, you start hearing people mentioning things about, oh, you know, something that connects. And well, what about being an interpreter? And so I started doing some research. And that's when I found out that in Los Angeles, UCLA, UCLA Extension was offering a program for interpreters. So at 35, I told myself, bye-bye to your corporate job, and you're going to start from zero. And that's what I did, uh, Mireya. I moved from San Diego to LA. I um, didn't have any idea where I was going to live. And I decided to start from scratch, meaning I left all the security that I had, um, the office, the, uh, the the position, everything else. And I left it so I could start from zero. I came to Los Angeles. I got myself a roommate. Uh, I pretty much put myself in a very tight budget. And I was leaving from my savings. And I went back to school. I want to stop right there real quick, Yasmin, because I feel that you've made so many excellent points that I kind of want to recap here uh, at this point. You've talked about uh, initially passion, commitment, and grit. And I find that those words, although we're exposed to them perhaps time and time again, people may not, or maybe not everyone has experienced this and what this means. The second thing that 
uh, stood out for me as you're talking is that what you felt when you were no longer happy, although you had already accomplished a lot of these things that, you know, really perhaps they're society driven or, you know, we, in our minds, we think that that is what is expected of us. You know, it's all the external factors maybe that drive us towards those goals and that allow us to accomplish them. But then when opportunity starts to knock or as I'm listening to you and what's coming at me is when your calling starts calling, that's when you begin to feel this, this shift within you, like this is not fulfilling me. And I love that you mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm no longer feeling like I'm happy. Like I started to get depressed. Like I am, I'm not in love with what I'm doing. And, and this idea of passion, you know, like it is in fact an internal feeling that if we're not connected to it, to it in one way or another, we feel it, we do, it is a feeling. And the third thing is that we try to justify the choices that we made along the way. So I already went to school for this. I already have a degree. I'm 10 years in my career. I'm, you know, add whatever you want to add in that blank space in order to suppress what's trying to come out. And I feel like you've mentioned all these key things within this conversation that this is in fact what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. you come across almost 20 years later um, into this almost exact pivotal moment where you make a choice to leave what's comfortable, just like when you were 15 in your ESL class, what was comfortable because, you know, you had peers, maybe that spoke the same language and your teacher and stuff like that. But you make this decision to step out of your comfort zone and into what's going to challenge you. At 35, you make the same decision that you leave your security, you leave what you know, you leave what feels comfortable into a decision that is going to challenge you and help you grow. And I think that, my goodness, there's so much great stuff just in that story of yours from going from one spot to the next. And now I want to take us into the moment that you decide that you want to not only be a language professional, but you want to connect the skills that you've learned along the way into creating your own business into what has become now CIS. So bring us to the moment where you make the connection where preparation meets opportunity and you make the another plunge at some point that you're not going to be the interpreter only, but you're also going to house the interpreter. So walk us through that moment, if you will. Absolutely, Mireya. Well, you know, one of the things that you touched on, which is going back to the the passion. And what I did know is that if you find something that you love and you're great at it, everything else will fall in place. Mm. And for me at 35 and having all the being comfortable and having everything that supposedly made me happy, I didn't care at that point anymore because I didn't feel it. And even though I started, I went and I pretty much was broke at that time. Mm -hmm. I was happier. So I also understood that, hey, if I'm doing something that I love, then that means that I have to give it my best. I went to school and I gave it my all. I ended up graduating top of my class because I also knew that that was going to set me apart at the beginning from everybody else that perhaps, you know, they didn't put enough effort. Um, I decided to become medically certified and I knew that there were two certifications. So thinking, well, how am I going to establish myself as a medical interpreter and compete with the market, right? How am I going to be able to show my clients that they, they should choose me when there are so many options? So I decided to study for both certifications. When I finished my school program prior to finishing, I also knew that in order to better my skills, I needed to do a lot of pro bono work. I needed to take 
all the volunteering assignments that I could as much as possible because I'm someone that I learn, I, I'm able to learn when I'm doing the work. Mm. Um, I was driving from Los Angeles all the way to the immigration office in Anaheim. And I started working with the attorneys. And you, you know, the beauty of this is that some of the attorneys that knew me back then, five years ago, are still my clients. Mm. Uh, and I remember that at that time, my goal was, I remember thinking, I want to be able to make a hundred appointments. I'm going to do a hundred interviews. And once I, I do a hundred interviews, I'll be able to feel confident and comfortable and that I know how to interpret. I didn't, I didn't get to do a hundred interviews. <laughs> I think I was around my 25 when, you know, the feedback that I was getting from the clients, from the attorneys, and even from the immigration officers, because they start, they, they started seeing my face and then they knew me mm-hmm. and uh, they would be happy and they would tell me, oh, I'm glad that you're my interpreter. And also the attorneys, that was the feedback. So what happened was, as I started networking with other interpreters, and then I also started putting myself out there and working with other agencies, I sat the opportunity because I noticed there was a major disconnect between the clients, the interpreters, and the agencies, right? Mm -hmm. Too many disgruntled interpreters, too (laughs) many unhappy clients, and they would say things like, you know, I want interpreters like you, Jasmine. I want more interpreters like you. Where can I find them? Mm. And, you know, Mireya, let me tell you this. I personally, I'm, if you ask me, okay, yes, I'm, I'm a decent interpreter. Yes, because obviously I've gone to school. I prepare myself. I have my two certifications, but Trust me, I know for a fact that there are many, many other interpreters out there that are great. What was helping me during those interactions with the clients or even the agencies is that my attitude. I was ready to learn. I was ready to help. And I didn't care. And that goes back to doing something that you love and having your passion. I was broke. I wasn't making any money. I was driving 40, 80 miles just to take on an opportunity where I wasn't even going to make money. But at the end of that encounter, at the end of that session, I I noticed, I felt that I made a difference and I was alive again. Mm. So with that in mind, with, you know, the feedback that I was getting in my experiences, I thought, wait a minute, can I do this better? Can I have an agency create opportunities for the interpreters and the clients? And it's a win-win situation for everybody. And I decided to take on the challenge. And I said, you know what? I have a good group of interpreters that I know that would be willing to come with me and join me on this new journey. So maybe within like a year and a half after being an interpreter, Mireja, just everything started falling into place and more. And I would have more and more requests from clients, direct clients. And then on top of it, I think my background coming from banking, which is a very uh, sales driven environment, right? I felt very comfortable constantly canvassing the area, going to networking events, being able to introduce myself and talk about the business. And because I understood the business as an interpreter, I was able to connect the pieces, right? I understood what the clients needed. And quality was important to me because quality does, it is important to the client. They don't, in so many cases, they don't know what quality is if they never really work with an interpreter, a professional one, once they try it. And once they try it and you have elevated the experience, they never want to go back. Love that. Love that. So Mm -hmm. true. What would you say, Yasmin, has been the biggest challenge in oftentimes when we hear people's stories and we get inspired by, you know, where they started and where they're at now. And we're trying to, in a way, replicate, 
you know, what these, what these unknown mentors, you know, unknown because they, they have no idea they become our mentors, you know, like we're over here behind the scenes, like I want to do what she's doing. And oftentimes we hear the story and, and it sounds so linear. Like all I've got to do is say, how can I do this better? And then it's going to maybe turn out that way when in all actuality, you know, the road isn't, isn't a straight road. It's a curved up, down, down, dip sideways, you know, like right. all kinds of ways road. So what would you say once you've made the decision that you wanted to offer quality and a difference in the experience for those that were receiving the service or that were in need of the service, what was the biggest challenge for you that you felt you had to overcome? Wow. So definitely to start, I had way too many challenges. <laughs> but the, the, the one, I mean, in general, um, never make assumptions because when you make assumptions, that's when you start making mistakes. Okay. So that, that's the general one. But in talking to clients, I... I used to think, oh, you know what? I'm Jasmine Love. I'm just going to introduce myself and ask them if they want to try our great services because we have stellar interpreters. And you know, for the most part, when you are prospecting, clients already work with another agency, okay? So just because you walk in, you introduce yourself, they're not just going to drop the current vendor that they have and start working with you. It is a process. Mm -hmm. It takes time, especially if you, like me, for instance, I concentrate in the on the long-term relationship, okay? I don't concentrate on the immediate sale. It's not what I'm all about. We want to build that long-term relationship. But one of the biggest challenges that I face is the fact that Imagine, I, um, I'm very proud of the, the training that I receive at UCLA Extension, especially because I respect my professors so much. They, they, both of them are federally certified with decades of experience in the interpreting field. So I, I was taught to do things the right way. Like for instance, simultaneous, conferences, simultaneous interpreting, you have to switch the interpreters every 20 minutes. And what I was starting to see when interacting with the clients is that they've never really been, they've never really, nobody has explained to them how it works with the interpreters. They assume that it's so easy to just start speaking in a different language and that anybody can do it as far as you're bilingual. So when I would talk to clients and I have this like really, really funny story. I mean, it's funny now, but it wasn't at that time. <laughs> so I was really happy that I had, um, we, we, I, we got a contract with this client and they were just like, we're so happy because we don't like our current vendor and you guys are going to come and you're going to do everything better. Right. And I was like, yes, we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we, I start, we start scheduling the assignments and their meetings were two hours. Okay, so I'm like, okay, scheduling two interpreters because I want to make sure that every 20 minutes we switch the interpreters because remember, my whole reason why I started CIS interpreters is because I wanted to not just elevate the client experience, but also provide a better environment for the interpreters and that they, they would also be as excited as the clients to work. So, you know, two months pass by. And then I get a call from the CEO and he's like, Jasmine, I'm like, yes, we love your interpreters and everything that you guys are doing for us. But for the last 10 years, we have never had to hire two interpreters for two hour assignments. So I'm sorry, we're not going to honor the invoices for the, for the two out for the two interpreters, but we want to continue working with you. What can you guys do for us? What? In, no, yeah. In that moment, Mireya, first of all, my heart dropped for so many reasons, right? First of all, because I'm thinking, how am I going to go back to my interpreters and and tell them that we're no that that we can use two interpreters? It wasn't even about the payment because we already, you know, we had already taken care of our interpreters. Right. That was not the case. But then on top of it, I in that moment I said to my client, listen, 
let me do some research, okay? Let me find out what's going on. And of course, because you know, if you're if you concentrate on building relationships, your clients will open up and they will talk to you. So my client was very open to talk to uh, to talk to me and tell me what the challenges were in working with us. And I said, okay, let me figure this out. So I hang up the, the, the phone and then I start calling the interpreters and I tell them, can you believe the client is saying that they've never done two hours with two interpreters? We, like, I'm like, wait, who are these interpreters that are doing this? And they're like, no, Jasmine, it, that's how usually it is for agencies. They'll hire you for two hours on, by yourself. And I'm like, what? I'm like, here I am trying to educate the clients, letting them know that interpreters have to switch every 20 minutes or every 30 minutes to assure accuracy of the message, to also give them a break and just, you know, the the whole thing, the whole event will be much better. So, um, yeah, that has been the, the the most difficult part in terms of dealing with clients, the lack of education that they have, because I, you know, I don't know if it's other agencies, they never explain to them, but at the same time, I also see it I'm enjoying the journey. I'm enjoying being able to educate the clients and and explain to them what happens when we don't switch or alternate interpreters. Mm. And in some cases, Mireya, I'm able to make a difference because they're like, yes, I get it. Let me get the two interpreters, even if it's for an hour and a half or for two hours. Mm. I love that. Yeah, because it you're absolutely changing the way in which the services provide is provided. You know, you're you're making this the norm, which should be the norm, as opposed to the other way around. And so I also love that you mentioned that you focus on building relationships because with relationships you have more of an open communication, more of a two-way dialogue than yeah. you know when it's just a transaction. As unfortunately, I'm sure there's plenty of agencies out there that that's exactly how they see, um, you know, these, these assignments are simply an ROI and how much more can they, can they get so that, you know, there's more income coming in. So I, I love that you touched on the focusing on building relationships and the never assuming that was a great example of, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're going to launch on your own, um, that is key. Never assume. Yasmin, what do you feel you love most about what you do? You gave us a little bit of a taste just right now, but what would you say you love the most about what you do? There are so many things that I love in the profession and then also in running the business. Uh, I, I have to tell you, Mireya, that I'm really enjoying the journey, right? Because every day for us is a brand new day. It's a brand new opportunity. I love seeing our business grow. I love being able to change the perception, elevating the profession, changing people's mind in terms of, oh, you know what? We've been working with uh, interpreters for the last five years. And I thought that, you know, this is how it was, but now we're working with you and with your team and we see the difference. Mm. I love the fact that we continue to grow because of the referrals that we get and the referrals come from a combination of our clients, the interpreters, because the interpreters, they trust our business and they'll say, you know, Jasmine, I have this opportunity. I don't want to manage it, but I trust you and your team to come in and do things right. So that in essence, it has to, for me, it has to be the journey. I love that. And which is what's most important is the journey, right? We hear mm -hmm. that all the time. It's not about the destination. You know, it's, it's okay. not about goals or objectives or checking off a list. It really is about enjoying the journey. And I can absolutely tell the difference when people come on here and, and you hear the passion <laughs> in the conversation. So I love that. I love because I could hear it. I could hear it from you uh, mm -hmm. that this is in fact uh, your passion and you are exactly, as you said, enjoying the journey. I'm interested, Yasmin, now in knowing what new or future project are you working on that you'd like to share on this platform, if any? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Mireya, for me, one thing that is crystal clear, okay? I'm the culture of the company. I'm the culture of CIS. So I don't like to be pulled in too many different directions. I am not the kind of CEO that is working on this project and working on another project and here and there because it takes me away from our clients. Hmm. We're a boutique type of agency. And I like to give that personalized service. And I want to dedicate our resources to our existing clients So now that we're in the middle of the pandemic, my goal is to make sure that our clients are taking care in all aspects when it comes to their language needs, whether it is to make sure that they're using our OPI services, whether they need subtitles, whether they need voiceover. You know, it's not just about interpreting or translation into Spanish, which is the most, you know, the most requested language, right? But I'm concentrating on our existing book of clients and making sure that they're fine. Um, I'm a big believer on automating processes. So we're playing around, we're contemplating on some of the technology that can help us with automating from our social media posts, to scheduling our assignments. So that's one of the things that I'm working on for the business. And lastly, making sure that we continue to train more and more interpreters in this new virtual Zoom environment that we're in. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I also like to ask for many of the guests, if not all that are here, about giving a recommendation or a piece of advice to either a beginning interpreter or translator uh, that's, you know, getting out in the field and what they can do in order to improve their chances, you know, if they're starting as a freelancer or maybe even someone that is interested in changing or making a pivot, you know, in their, in their careers, um, as in maybe like you from being an interpreter to actually, uh, leading interpreters, what's a piece of advice that you'd like to share from your experiences that you've had? Thank you, Maria. That's an excellent question. You know, one thing I would say, and I, and I see that this happens a lot in our field, it's important to understand the difference between being an entrepreneur and being a freelancer, okay? It's not that one is better than the other one, but if you can understand what each requires, you're going to be able to make a better de- make a better decision as to what you want to do. If you want to become an entrepreneur in the language field, one of the first things that you want to keep in mind is, okay, are you ready to lead? Do others trust you? And let's say perhaps you say, you know what, Jasmine, I've only been in this field for, I don't know, a few months, and I don't know if other people trust me. Okay, well, take a step back and ask, what about in your previous profession? Did people look up to you and trusted you? Because in order for you to be able to offer great services and connect with your clients and for your clients to believe in your product and services, you have to have a team that is going to back you up. Because as an entrepreneur, you are not just working for yourself. As a freelancer, you're managing your own brand. As an entrepreneur, you have to take, you have to make decisions on the fly and they better be effective. Mm. And then lastly, how big is your appetite for risk? Because you will be taking an enormous amount of risk as an entrepreneur versus just working as an independent contractor. So, you know, as an interpreter or or a translator. And lastly, I would say that if you feel that, you know what, I'm a translator, I'm an interpreter, and I'm the only one that knows how to do my job, then it will be very difficult for that person to pivot into being an entrepreneur because as an entrepreneur, you're representing a business you're the culture of your company, and you have a team to support. 
So that's that I would say the most important thing is know what you want. And it's they're not the same. Right. Yeah, I mean, the difference. And, and I love th- that um, question about how much risk are you willing to take? Uh, because that's, that's always huge. I think it's a question that maybe um, we're not always presented with the beginning. And so um, if we know that ahead of time, that there is a lot of risk involved in one or the other, um, how much of it are we willing to really take on? So Yasmin, you gave us such great information today. I loved all these little nuggets that we talked about from stepping outside your comfort zone, from having grit to listening, uh, your calling call with, you know, those, those small whispers that sometimes either, uh, get louder or, you know, get more robust. And if we're paying attention, we'll catch, uh, you know, these little whispers from the universe. I love the focusing on building relationships and, how can I do this better? I think that question was huge. How can I do this better? You know, if you're looking to improve yourself or challenge yourself, that's a great question to ask. I also know that you're very um, active on social media and Instagram, particularly. I'm not a TikTok person, but I have seen your TikTok posts on Instagram, which are super fun. So tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and the work that you do and maybe just follow you on social media so that they can see these fun videos that you post. Thank you very much, Mireya. You know what? I just also want to add something about social media because look, for me, it's about being transparent and building trust. We have, we're very active on social media and obviously I'm not the only person in my team that is posting, but I have uh, our social media manager who is doing a phenomenal job but I want to tell you the reason why we are so visible when it comes to the, the platforms. And it's mainly because when clients or any prospect or whether interpreters or translators are trying to make a decision whether they want to engage with us or not, what I want them to see is I know who's the president of that company. If something goes down, if I'm not happy, if I, I need to find out where my payment is, you know, wh- whatever that is. I know that I'm going to find Jasmine. I know who the project managers are and they are present. That is the reason why we build, we use social media to, to build trust. Okay. So uh, thank you very much for, for recognizing that about our platforms. And in terms of where they can find us, well, they can go to our website and we have our Insta, we have our Instagram for CIS interpreters and then also our LinkedIn page for CIS interpreters as well. I'm saying CIS because sometimes in Spanish we call it CIS, in English it's CIS. And then lastly for myself, you can find me Jasmine Lowe as well as on Instagram and then also on LinkedIn and I'll be there. Love it. I'll make sure to also include those links on the show notes uh, in case anybody would like to touch base with Yasmin. Yasmin, once again, I want to thank you for your time. And I sincerely appreciate you sharing all these bits of information. And of course, your story with us here on this platform. Thank you. Thank you, Mireya. It was my pleasure. So much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the very end. If you'd like to connect with me, head on over to the website, brandtheinterpreter.com and click on the connect with me tab. You can also stay connected on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube as Brand the Interpreter or Mireya Perez on LinkedIn. Till next time.